Father's Day, way more fun than Mother's Day. Just saying. The Lord was in the process of creating fathers. He began with a tall frame. An angel watching said, what kind of father is that? If you're going to make children so close to the ground, why have you put fathers so high? He won't be able to shoot marbles without kneeling, tuck a child in bed without bending, or kiss a child without stooping. God smiled and said, yes, but if I make him child-sized, who would the children look up to? And God made father's hands, and they were so large. The angel shook her head sadly and said, you don't know what you're doing. Large hands are clumsy. They can't manage diaper pins or small buttons or rubber bands on ponytails or even remove splinters maybe from baseball bats. God smiled. I know. But they're large enough to hold everything a small boy empties out of his pockets at the end of the day, yet small enough to cup a child's face. Then God molded long legs and broad shoulders. The angel said, you realize you've not made a lap? How is he going to hold the child close without falling between his legs? God smiled. A mother needs a lap. A father needs strong shoulders to pull a sled, balance a boy on a bicycle, or hold a sleepy hand on the way home from the circus. God was in the middle of creating two of the largest feet the angel had ever seen, and she could control herself no longer. She said, that's not fair. Do you honestly think those boats are going to get out of bed early in the morning when a baby cries? Or walk through a birthday party without crushing at least three of the guests? God smiled and said, they'll work. They'll support a child who wants to ride a horse, scare off mice in a suburb cabin, or display shoes that will be a challenge to fill. God worked through the night, giving a father a few words, firm authoritative advice, Eyes that saw everything but remained calm and tolerant. Finally, he added tears of a dad. Then he turned to the angel and said, Are you satisfied? And the angel shutteth up. It's not biblical. So what does the Bible say to us? Fathers. Spiritually, fatherhood is loaded with responsibility. But too many fathers, I think, suffer from what I call loser's limp. It's the 100-yard dash. Track and field, he knows he's not going to win, and all of a sudden he pulls up lame. I could have won, I got this cramp. Loser's limp camouflages failure. Some men spend their life camouflaging failure. A real man is a man who understands what God calls him to be. But too many live in the land of excuses. If it wasn't for the way I was raised, it's not if it wasn't for the place I work, whatever a man's excuse, for not fulfilling his role in God's kingdom, the bottom line is he didn't get the job done. Hold it. Come on, man. You, you don't need to be blasted. You don't need to be yelled at. That, that's not honoring today. But we need to be encouraged and be reminded of what God intends us to be. Being male does not make us a real man. There's a God's kingdom story within real man. And frankly, too many men are missing in action. It's Bigfoot. Footprints everywhere. You just never see them. Tonight, Pure research, 35% of American children will go to bed without a father to tuck them in or pray with them. In the minority communities, the figure is 60%. At the trend, it's estimated by 2025, the figure will be 70%. Seven of every 10 children in the African-American community by 2025 will go to bed without a dad. The social, 
political, economic, spiritual repercussions that are staggering. Mentors for young men are hard to find. And throughout Scripture, as you think about it, every time Satan wanted to destroy a nation, he went after the man. Solomon and Gomorrah punished because of the lifestyle of the men. Moses' time, Pharaoh wanted to kill all the male Hebrew children. Jesus' time, Herod wanted to kill all the male Hebrew children. Men, we are the dominant attack of the enemy within our home, within our nation. And, and too many don't realize that, almost like a spiritual fog. They say a fog has six blocks of fog, has one glass of water. That's a lot of smoke and not much substance. That's the trouble in our homes. It doesn't need to be this way. Cry out loud. God has an exciting, demanding, fulfilling, challenging role for us men, an agenda. That's why he built us with a conquer mentality. There's something within us that strives to conquer something. Well, he built us that way. Now, let's, let's break it down and look at it. First, you must seek God's vision for you. God's not hiding his will. He's looking for men who can handle it. Some of the verses kind of blow my mind. Let me give you one. 1 Samuel 13, 14. The Lord sought out for himself a man after his own heart. Here's my question. Why seek? There's guys everywhere. Why does he have to seek out a man after his own heart? Why has he got to try to find a man? There's, guy, there's males all over the place. He's not looking for any man. He's looking for something specific. After the heart of God. And it says that he had to seek to try to find one. That's aggravating. Living out kingdom. Here we go again. Living my life in such a way that God receives glory. Everything else is a symptom of that. Seek ye first the kingdom. Living my life that God receive glory. My decisions, my behavior, the way I treat my wife, I treat my kids, how I am at work, blah, 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 everything else. Living my life that God receives glory. That's the vision for you and your family. Another sad, sad verse that kind of frustrates me. Ezekiel 22.30, God speaking. I sought a man standing among them that would make up the hedge, stand in the gap before me in the land, that I would not destroy it. But I found none. Oh, my word. How sad. He's literally looking in the entire kingdom for a real man after his own heart. In Ezekiel's time, he found none. Not one. Men who have the courage to pray, God, what will you do with me as opposed to what will you do for me? Too many have learned manhood from the long source, from the wrong sources. Sports figures, Hollywood, have become heroes. And therefore, for young men, sometimes they become the wrong role models. Hollywood is not going to pass on spiritual values. God's agenda for men, me and you, is clear. Carry out that agenda in your home. So let, let's begin with the agenda. Genesis 1:26. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the flesh, over the fish and birds and cattle and every animal of the earth. Now, frankly, this term, let us make man in our image, frankly, that would be translated manhood or men and women. So both men and women rule, rule the earth with, with somewhat equal level of authority, ruling over the birds and the bees and the cattle and all that. We both have a type of dominion together, caring for God's earth as stewards. But, 
Adam is also given headship over, lead, over, over Eve. So he is to lead in carrying out this agenda. What a gigantic vision for us. We are, we are a type of God representation, representative on earth. Back to kingdom. What a huge vision. What about you, my brother? Here's the question of the day. Has God called you to something that's too big for you to accomplish? You could not possibly do this in your own power. Has he laid something on your heart for you, for your home, for your wife, for your family, for your kids? Has he laid something on your heart that is way too big for you to accomplish on your own? Something you could not do without God. Congratulations. You've got a God-sized vision. Because there's something within us. He's designed us psychologically and mentally to conquer something. You're never going to be satisfied with eight hours on the job a day and then a paycheck. There's a kingdom call. I mean, that's why you've got gifts, that you might use them for the kingdom within your family. The definition of a vision, the ability to see beyond the immediate, the ability to see beyond the obvious, the ability to see beyond the visible. Kingdom is a bigger vision You're to have an impact on eternity while you live now in history. You and I are called to something bigger than just life. We're to set the pace. We're to lead the 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 way. We are the influencers. So, if the sum total of your life is home, then work, then dinner, then a little TV, then bed, then breakfast, then work, then home, then dinner. Don't be surprised if life is a little boring. God created men with a conqueror spirit as men. Even going to church periodically in and of itself won't make a difference. Pursue the vision that is so big only God can make you accomplish it. If you're a kingdom man, you've got to allow God to develop that vision within you. First, have a vision. Second, lead as men. 1 Corinthians 11.3, this has wide-ranging implications. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Okay. A lot here. Jesus is equal to the Father in essence. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is submission in function. All women are equal to men in essence. All women are equal to men in value to God. All women are under the authority of their husband. All wives are under the authority of her husband as a matter of function. But notice, husbands are under an authority too. We're under the authority of Christ. It's, it's a chain of command. Christ, husband, wife. I look at it like a grand circle. Christ is leading the husband Now, the wife can be very confident following her husband because Christ is leading him. Who's leading the husband? She can be confident following him because she knows he's following Christ. This isn't a blank check for us to lead our wives. We lead our wives as we follow Christ. Some men love that part about, I have leadership over you, but they don't read the second half of the verse. It's dependent, 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 on us following Christ. In other words, Christ is actually leading our home. We're the conduit. Yes, we are to lead under the commander of Jesus. Common sense here. 
If you can't follow the one who has authority over you, why should you expect someone to follow your authority? You follow authority wisely, and your wife will have all sorts of confidence in following your authority over her. Your authority is not a blank check. It's based on how you follow Christ. In other words, a real man leading his home is now conduit, allowing Christ in some ways to lead that home. And he's searching for us. This is how we fulfill God's agenda for me and you. We can't stand in the crowd because the crowd doesn't do that. Men floating downstream don't do that. God is searching for real men to honor. Huge privilege, huge responsibility. Even though we have limited authority because we're under Christ, it's not, not a blank check for me and you. Even though we have limited authority, there is authority here. Husbands have authority over your wife. Not so we can dominate and intimidate your wife, but that we can influence and cause her to grow and flourish, to everything God's called her to be, and then allowing our children to grow and flourish and develop their gifts, allowing them to be everything God's called them to be. This is God's ideal, and it's doable. God calls men to think like he does. So now we can transfer these spiritual values to our wife, transfer our spiritual values to our kids. That's the design. Because we have the loudest voice in the house. Today, culture has collapsed. Teachers are afraid to, uh, to, to confront unruly males in the classroom. It's a dark evening. You're walking home alone. A group of young men begin to walk towards you. You have instant fear. What happened to these young men? Well, they don't have clear values. There was not a kingdom man to pass them on to them. In Ezekiel's time, it's so sad. God says, I searched for a man to stand in the gap. I searched the entire kingdom, and I found none. That's got to break your heart. But he's still seeking now. What about our time? He's still seeking for men to lead in that particular fashion. That's why you were designed Plenty of males, but he's seeking for kingdom men. This is an American problem. It's a global problem. Rather than kingdom men passing on spiritual values which are non-negotiable, the wrong males are doing the, doing the job. There's no sensitivity to spiritual values. I, I would call it a spiritual leprosy. Leprosy is so pathetic. The reason why people lose parts of their bodies because leprosy destroys nerve endings. It's such a terrible disease. In other words, a leper doesn't feel pain. Those nerves have been destroyed. They don't know when they burn themselves. They don't know when they've hurt themselves. Pain ha has a function for me and you. It, it makes us stop doing something that's damaging our body. A leper doesn't know he, that those nerve endings are damaged. They don't realize what's happening to them until it's too late. Leprosy is not the disease, it, 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 it just deadens everything, and that's what eventually destroys your entire body. Is there a spiritual leprosy about men training young men? Have we lost the ability to feel what the Holy Spirit's telling us? Have we become lepers to where the Holy Spirit's leading us, confronting us, challenging us, molding us? Kingdom values have got to be passed on by the head of the family. That's why we're the head of the family, not to be the boss, but to be the conduit. God is speaking, Genesis 18, 19, talking about Abraham. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, 
And they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. The transfer of values. God's honoring Abraham because of his command of his home. God's going to honor Abraham because of what he's doing in his house. He's transferring values to the next generation. This is not automatic. In other words, your kids won't raise themselves. They'll get bigger all by themselves, but they won't raise themselves. Someone must pass on spiritual values. And guys, that would be me and you. This is what God called Abraham to do in that Genesis 18th chapter. Abraham has a destiny. God's hand is on Abraham's life. So now Abraham has something to pass on. Abraham was to pass on those standards and values that are non-negotiable. Don't you love Joshua? I mean, this, this guy's cutting. There's no gray area. It's cutting dry. Joshua 24, 15. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We spend a lot of time about we will serve the Lord, but the first part's pretty important too. For me and my house. Talk about ownership. For me and my house. Oh, he's taking responsibility. That's leadership. There's no such thing as leadership without responsibility. A kingdom man says, me and my house. I'm not dictator. I'm the conduit. We will serve the Lord because I am under his authority. There's a term for young people that's kind of frustrating me. I don't like it. They're calling the, many of the young people today the lost generation. That's a lie. I think they're the product of a lost generation. Values were not passed on to them. You do reap what you sow. We fumbled the handoff of values. And now here we are. The church is the loser for this. The home is the loser for this. The school is the loser for this. The society at large is a loser for this. The culture is a loser for this. That Genesis verse 18, 19 on Abraham, never forget to notice, God blessed him, gave him dominion over nations because he led his home. God is hungry to bless men. He is hungry to bless real kingdom men because he's seeking us out. It's interesting to me. 1 Timothy chapter 3 has a theme. It's about who can be a leader in a church. Who's a candidate to actually lead within a church? Well, this is important because right now, this church, y'all are going through a candidate process. And 1 Timothy says... As you interview these guys, as you look carefully at the potential leaders of your church, they must manage their household well. The qualifications for leadership in a church, whether it's any level of leadership, they must show the ability to handle and lead their own household. 1 Timothy chapter 3. If they can't lead their own home, why should they manage the church of God's people? Because every Christian home has a pastor, the father, with a built-in congregation, his own family. So let's take a minute. Let's understand the, the qualifications around this. This husband, father, leader. A leader has the three C's. A calling, compassion, conviction. If you can lead because of a calling, if you can lead because of a conviction, if you can lead because of compassion, you're probably a pretty decent leader. Compassion. Jesus died for the church. Then he says to us men, that's the way you lead. You lead sacrificially. I died for the church. You'll die for your family. 
To be a leader, this is a loving, serving leader. Never forget, a bully's not a leader. A bully's a fool. Authority and manipulation are opposites. You don't lead by manipulation, you lead by conviction. Authority and, mi- and manipulation are opposites. We follow Christ as he leads our home. Also in wisdom, I think the church could provide, surround yourself with kingdom men. Hang out with other guys who are trying to live up to this vision, who are trying to live up to this conviction, who are trying to live up to this call of being a kingdom man leading their family. Hang out with them. Proverbs 17 says, iron sharpens iron. That's us. We're to motivate, challenge, help each other. I think that's why the church is so valuable. That's why men's groups in the church are so valuable. Hang out with guys that are trying to do this. If you hang out with guys that don't, you'll lower the bar for yourself. Always raise the bar. Your home, the church, the country are starving for kingdom men. And God is looking to find us so that he might bless us. How on earth can we expect God to bless my life if I'm dropping the ball in what he's called me to do? Oh, that was fun. How on earth can I expect and anticipate God to bless my life if I'm dropping the ball in what he's called me to do? Guys, this is our day. I love Father's Day. It's way more fun than Mother's Day. We ought to be honored. So the challenge, be worthy of honor. Live a life that ought to be celebrated ought to be counted because you're making a difference. There's no voice in your home stronger than yours. Father, we just come before you. We thank you for the privilege of responsibility. Those those two are married. There's a privilege of responsibility and responsibility is a privilege. Help me as, I, as I've had the, the joy of raising my, my kids and I'm seeing, seeing wonderful fruits and all that stuff, but now participate in continuing that with my grandboys. May they see something in their grandfather that they never forget. Father, I pray for our kids as they look at their dad and realize that's what I want to be. Everything in his life wasn't negotiable. There were some things that were real and clear, and he lived it every single day. Set the bar high for our kids. And Father, I pray for those homes that don't have a dad. And mom has had to assume the mom role, which is so important, and had to also take on the father's role, which is also vital. I pray for these homes without a dad. I pray for strength and wisdom And your peace may value still be passed on. May we develop kingdom homes. And we praise you in your holy name. I want to take just a moment.